0: Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum.
1: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I am your host, also known as the Comeback Coach. And guys, you know that people that we have on on here are thought leaders, game changers, and professionals at self-development and self-improvement. The gentleman I'm going to have on today is changing the game. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Mark Dudek of uh, CSD Hardscaping. Has an amazing product that it's actually a fire pit, and once you plug it in your music, the fire, the flames actually go to your music. So whatever you're listening to, that's how the flames go. So definitely check them out. I'll, I'll drop the link there. Um, so guys, this is going to be fun. This is going to be great. Um, I love talking to my military brothers and I'm so grateful that they took the time today. Daniel, my brother, what is going on today?
0: How's it going, man? Thank you for having me.
1: Oh man, I love I love what you guys are doing. You guys are crushing it. I see our boy is out there looking for trucks
0: and stuff yep. like that. Yeah, we just were doing uh, that yesterday. He's uh he's continuing the search.
1: So you guys are getting ready to crush so uh first of all tell us a little bit about where you're from and what kind of little boy were you growing up
0: yeah sure um so i mean i'm i'm from new jersey so i grew up in south jersey about um 20 minutes from philadelphia um, what town had a um
1: what, what town say? are you in um, i'm in town? uh Pensalkan. now you know i'm from jersey right oh i didn't know that oh yeah i'm up here by Giants giant stadium
0: oh that's that the only i'm a cowboys fan don't judge me Um, the only game I've ever gone to was at the, at that stadium. It was amazing.
1: So now I know you guys
0: are in Jersey. We'll definitely have to get together and hang. Yes, sir. Of course. Of course. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I had a, um, brother, older brother, younger sister, uh, had a, um, father, father, mother, obviously then decent childhood. Nothing. I got, I, it was, I was supplied for, you know, (laughs) were you a Um, good student? Uh, no, no, I was not. I was very um I had potential but I was very lazy. I only apl- uh, what I applied myself in, I did amazing in, but it was the trick was to getting me to apply myself. So I was never good in, in high school. I didn't I didn't do well. Um I, did, I just wasn't ready, I guess at that time.
1: Were you an were you an athlete? No,
0: no. I honestly I well I was a I was a firefighter from um 15 to 21. So I did that for like the those years. I I did like wrestling when I was um I mean maybe like 7 to 10 maybe. But I kept, I have like thin blood vessels in my nose, apparently. So if you like touch my nose, it bleeds profusely. <laughs> it, it just wasn't my thing. The Little League wasn't my thing. I was never, I like playing sports now, but I, I was a lazy kid, I guess is what it was.
1: <laughs> so were you in high school, were you just passing by and so you weren't really crushing it in
0: academics? No, I was not crushing it at all, at all in academics. I, um, I, I'm assuming that, all right, so that was, my father turned out to be an alcoholic. Um, so that's right around high school time was when all of it was coming to light. So I don't know if it was, if it was family issues or whatever, but I just wasn't there. Um, so, so how uh,
1: did you, what were your coping
0: mechanisms? Video games, video games. And honestly, when I was younger, it was partying, but thankfully I saw the error in that, in that way. Um, with my, after the military or during the military, even it was never really a, um, priority of mine.
1: So what 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 games were you uh, big Were you a sports game? Or were you, no, uh, I was shooters
0: forever. I was Halo, Call of Duty, all of them. I did them uh, all the time. Paint. I, I would I go paintballing too. I
1: loved when the first Halo game came
0: out. That's what got me into video games
1: because we, we were deployed in like 2003, mm-hmm. and we actually had two separate rooms with four computers with four TV screens set up, and two teams just playing just playing. Uh, playing that game for like hours. Yep, shoddy hours.
0: Snipers was the best. <laughs> Nothing beats shoddy snipers.
1: Yeah. So we had a great time. So now, you know, I love everybody's recruiting story. Talk to me about your the day you walked into
0: a recruiter. Yeah, so I mean, so mine again, I think it was to to escape the the life I was currently living. I, I didn't had no motivation, no drive. I didn't have a purpose. And I could recognize that too. That was I think that was what was surprising <laughs> me. So I decided to go. I actually um, tried enlisting in the Mar- in the Marines first. So in uh, I went to the Sicklerville. Um, it's in New Jersey. I w- the, right next door is the Army recruiting station also. So I went to the Marines first. Um, I have a chest tattoo from shoulder to shoulder. Uh, so they said that was going to be an issue. I had to get a waiver. I got arrested when I was 14 <laughs> um, and that was presenting issues also. So after a, a year, it was literally a year of um, just back and forth with this recruiter. I was fed up with it, so I just went to the Army recruiting station right next door. I talked to a – he was an infantryman, the recruiter, and he said, I can have you signed in two weeks. I said, all right, have me signed in two weeks then. And I signed, and, and I went. And uh, I think I, I left two, a month and a half to, to two months before um, after I signed my contract.
1: So now how did you do on your ASVAC?
0: Um, I don't remember the exact score, but it was 65, 67, somewhere around there.
1: So you chose to do what job in the military?
0: I chose infantry. So I so when I took the asvab, I was twenty three. I went into the army at twenty three, um, and I hadn't done any school schooling or anything. I was working to, uh, I was working a full time job and a part time job. Um, so I didn't do school yet. Um, so I was out of out of school for a long time. <laughs> so I was surprised I got a sixty seven. If I'm being honest with you. Um, so where'd you go? To,
1: where'd you go to base?
0: Um, uh, Benning.
1: So you were a little bit older than some of the recruits that Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. You went yeah. So what what was it like going there and being from being from Jersey number
0: one? Um, we're so we're a different yeah. we're a different kind of people. Yeah, we are. The whole the whole wooder, me saying wooder, that I mean yeah. listen, I was in the army for five years from the day I joined to the day I left that was brought up. It was never that was a continuous joke. Um, but I think so I think the drills, I think the drill sergeants knew what it was. They knew I wasn't as immature, because I still was immature, but I wasn't as immature as the 18 year olds, 19 year olds coming in. I, I had some life experience and it showed. So um, there's the PG, the platoon guide. <clears throat> um, it's, ba- it's basically throughout basic training, they make different people um, in charge, quote unquote, in charge of, they represent the platoon, teaching them leadership tactics or leadership skills. So I don't know if my drill sergeant thought I didn't have any or wanted to specifically hone in on mine but i was pg for like a month and a half and it was it was a very good learning experience i think that set me up uh set me up for success because i i actually reached out to him i'll, I'll tell that later obviously but i reached out to him uh after in uh, a combat occurrence when i went to afghanistan
1: now did you you know because some people take to the military was it something that you took yeah down?
0: immediately it's i understood it's i didn't have that rebellious side you know what i mean so i knew what it, i knew what it was i knew i was going to get talked down to i knew i was gonna to have to do some some bullshit. i don't know if i can curse i'm sorry i knew yeah this this is your story right, cool. <laughs> yeah i didn't know if i was if, if, I, if it was going to be um sorry all right so i got blown up twice in afghanistan and i have, I have some memory issues so i may lose track Um, It's
1: okay. I got a TBI too, so we'll be
0: perfect. We'll be confused together. Awesome. (laughs) None of us will remember,
1: (laughs) and nobody's gonna hear this anyway, so don't worry. (laughs) Yes, they
0: will. Um, We're we're putting. uh, We'll put this right on our page. I promise that. Um, basic training. That's what it was. Um,
1: where was your first duty station? Fort
0: Bliss. I only. I was only at Fort Bliss. So I was in at Fort Bliss. It's in El Paso, Texas. It's as west Texas as you can get. It's um. On the border of Juarez, Mexico. Um, very. It, it... Oh, Texas
1: is the first place I ever got arrested for. Uh, uh, what do they call it? Public intoxication. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, I'm I'm like popular what, there. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> what does that mean? You know, Especially near the bases. Yeah. yeah, the bases get base. Was at Fort Hood all for my, my, my career. So, and you got you went to two deployments. Yes. So I'm. Many, yeah, right?
0: So I so. When I graduated basic in IIT, I went to, I went to Fort Bliss. And then, um, as the, whoever the dude, the specialist was who picked me up, he said, Hey, you got, you're deploying to Afghanistan in two months. So just tell your people that like, tell your loved ones and shit. Um, so I, with, with, within two months I went, I went to Afghanistan. Um, that was, uh. uh we were with a bunch of good – a bunch of good dudes, really, really good dudes who had just came back from a combat deployment to Afghanistan um, the year prior. So they were already still in full tilt. You know what I mean? Um, I, I don't necessarily think that I was trained to the extent I should have been trained to. I mean, I was literally just out of basic training. I didn't go to NTC or anything. Um, but those dudes, with without a doubt, uh, taught me what I needed to be taught in an in insanely fast amount of time. <laughs> Oh,
1: I, you know, I was a 19 kilo and then I went to 19 Delta, then 11 Bravo. So what was your weapon? What were you, what were you holding?
0: So in Afghanistan, I was a driver. I, I did multiple things, driver, dismount, um, gunner. So my, my favorite. So I was, so dismount was the M4. That's what, that's what I used. Um, And then on the gunner on, on top of the mat Vs, I, uh, one time I was, or for some period of time, I was a 240 gunner and then. Another period of time, I was a fifty cal gunner, and I would just cycle back between different trucks and shit.
1: You know what? But you know, I was a tank commander, so you know, between shooting a one hundred five <laughs> and then shooting fifty cal, going back to a two hundred forty or M four, yeah, it's is no. You fun. know, what,
0: it's it's almost like driving on the highway. You're going eighty and whatnot, and then when you have to get, get off your exit and go back into a 25-35 area, it kind of feels the same way.
1: Now, obviously, you know, you said you got hit twice and you don't have to go with all that stuff. Um, So, um, you know, because a lot of people that I talk to now have, you know, struggling with, you know, the PTS uh, depression. um, And I just interviewed some of my friends that we lost a couple of our 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 battle buddies in in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And a lot of a couple of them came home with with survivor's Mm -hmm. guilt. So, I mean, what was your experience like over in Afghanistan? Yeah, I'm.
0: I'm very so since I'm since I since I mean, James James and I founded uh, co-founded Project Refit. I, I've been very um, open about my experiences, my PTSD, and all that. So you can ask me any question you can think of.
1: Uh, well, you know, what the whole thing is about this podcast. You know, it, it's for so people that are interested in self development, self improvement. Mm-hmm. A, a lot, a lot of guys, you know, especially we're all hua hua mm-hmm. and you know, we think that, you know, we don't need We're help. untouchable. And sometimes if we just hear somebody say, you know, I'm, I was struggling and I needed help, and they'll be like, oh, okay. Hundred, yes, uh, yep.
0: It puts it into perspective. It makes it tangible, especially when it's somebody else because then it's not – Um, I think we all have those little negative feelings about ourselves. Whether we entertain them or not, they're there. Um, where when somebody else does it, you don't have that negative bias. It's you're, you're listening to somebody else genuinely. And that's, that opens up those doors and sparks the, the further conversation.
1: Yeah. So that's my whole goal. Mm-hmm. And I, people that listen to my show know I make $0 off my show and that's by, that's by plan. by choice. Yes. And I think that's, what make,
0: that's, what's going to make it so special
1: you know that's why we're just trying to impact lives and you know because you know we, we can c- civilians can listen to us and be like okay but two army guys or two marine guys or two air force guys can just sit and talk shit mm-hmm. to each other and we could crack on each other even coast but guard like, i
0: make fun of a coast guard but you, you you signed a contract so in my mind you're equal i don't it's and the
1: funny thing is like if we're all in a bar you know we can pick on mm-hmm. each other don't let anybody don't else. look
0: at. Don't even look at my boy wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's one great thing about being in the, you know, in the military. We have our own lingo. We have our own slang. But we know whenever a brother's in trouble, you know, I got your six. 100%. So talk about Afghanistan.
0: Yeah. So I, um, so Afghanistan, um, I mean, we were in firefights. I was in about a, a dozen firefights, I'd say. Um, the first one, I, January 28th, it was the first time I ever, uh, Fired my weapon at another person. Um, we got a so in Afghanistan, we weren't really in charge. It was the Italians that were in charge. We were fob security. But my leadership. Um, so my command sergeant major, he actually he died in Afghanistan or from wounds uh, suffered from Afghanistan. Um, he was Do you remember Jessica Lynch? Yes, so he was. Uh, his name's is um, my sergeant major's name is Martin Barreras. His nickname was Gunny. So he, um, he was in the Marines for six years and then in the army for 22. And he was, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was uh, 75th Rangers, the entirety of it, of his army career. Um, he was command sergeant major of that, but he, um, he went on that mission to save Jessica Lynch. He like spearheaded it. Basically he brought her to the helicopter and hand, handed her off to the, uh, to the dudes. And then he went back and, um, recovered, uh, like the bodies of the, uh, like the wounded and other people who fell during that mission. And then I was told also that he, uh, You know, the movie Black Clock Down? um, Supposedly, he taught uh, the actors in that movie how to portray themselves as rangers. So he was a very, very larger than life figure. Um, Our deployment was the first one because we had like the FRG and all that. They would update, you know what I mean? They would update the families. They're doing this. They're doing that. They had a 4th of July barbecue, whatever. Um, That was the first time his family uh, ever got an update on his stuff because he was ranger. So everything was secret. Um yeah. so he uh so so they him and the BC I, I'm pretty sure they fought for us to to get um some not, not necessarily dangerous, but more uh meaningful missions. Um so they they started letting us do screen lines. So we sat on the edges of uh villages um and looked if the Taliban were coming in or out or whatever. So we were on our way there and then uh we got a call from our CO. And he said, "Turn the fuck around right now. Um, we have five identified enemies. They got they got weapons. Everything. Uh, engage on contact. Cool. It's nighttime. We're in the mat V's. Um We're driving. We're speeding through the field, so we're hitting those irrigation ditches poof, 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 every four fucking feet. And then um, you can see them in the night vision. They're turning around. They can't see us because we don't have any lights on. So we get in the firefight. We do all of that. Um, how 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 far do you want me to go with this? Is there a limit? <laughs> okay. No,
1: we have. Hour, well, hour, I mean I just mean description.
0: Um, uh description wise. No, right, whatever okay. you
1: feel comfortable, like I said, you know, like I said in
0: the in this when I
1: message you guys, you know, you know, facts tell, stories sell, and I want people to know, you know, because a lot of people think the military, you know, they think war is what you see right. on TV. And it's it's not. <laughs> it, it and it slows down for a lot yes. of people.
0: All right, yeah, cool. I can and, I can definitely um expand then.
1: Yeah, whatever you want to talk about, and then we'll move on to whenever you yeah. want to move
0: on. So, so, th- so with this firefight, this was the first one of of uh, of, of our company, and um, especially with identified people, it was usually uh, if it was a gunfire, it would be pop shots or something. Um, so, so we ran up on these dudes, the, the crows. Uh, there was five people. The crows took most of them out. Um, and then the other gunners did. So I was in the lead vehicle. I was the back right seat. So I was a dismount. Um, my gunners 240 jammed the second he opened fire. Let me re- rewind really quick. They, the Taliban, shot a RPG-7 at our Mat-V and missed our Mat-V by uh, 10 meters. And then uh, they didn't arm it either. So it didn't detonate. Thank God. Um, so then, obviously, our dude started engaging. My gunners um, 240 jammed. It was inoperable. So I had to give him my M4. Um, so our dudes laid hate and shit, did all, did all they had to do. So now it's the dismounts to get out. Um, we found out that nobody had dismounted and like nobody had, um, assaulted through or dismounted at all in that area, Afghanistan in like five years. So this is the first time it's been done properly. Um, so we, we dismounted, um, I, well, I had to take the driver's gun and the driver was famously known for not being, um, reliable. So it turns out he never cleaned his weapon either. So we get out of the vehicle. We line up. Um, some dude, too, uh, like, uh, one of my sergeants, he had a, a 320, and he was shooting 40 mic mics. He shot one at a tree line. It landed perfectly. He shot a second one, and it literally landed like 20 to 30 feet from us. We felt the heat from it and everything. So this is in the middle of a firefight still. Um, so then uh, I saw a, This is pitch black out. Um, I saw I saw the uh, a dude. He still had a gun in his hand. Um, he was like on his knees and shit. Um, so I, I'm, again, I'm brand new. I'm, I'm in the army for four months at this point. So I just turned over to my, my squad leader and said, can I shoot him? Like, is is this illegal now? Can I do this? And he's yeah, dude, fucking go. So I did, I got four shots off. They all hit him, but I got four shots off and then the gun jammed and would not fire again. Um, so that was the, that was the,
1: you guys need to start cleaning. your Oh no, no, no. I
0: cleaned my weapon. It was, it was that, that dude who didn't clean his trust me. (laughs) Um, And then, I mean, with that, like that, I think that was that was one of the situations that I don't want to say it because my PTSD doesn't necessarily uh, really derive from the bodies. I understood what that was. They were fighting for a cause. We were fighting for a cause. And that's the outcome of it. But um, one of the dudes got hit with a a 50 cow and it peeled his skull back and his brain. It was sitting on the ground and it was in the shape of Africa. The entire continent. It looked exactly like it, and I stepped in it by accident. I vividly remember that. That's one of the the very few things I can like. That memory has not faltered at all throughout the years. Um, so that that was that was the first firefight, and I, I that was pretty much pretty much one of the most um, up close and personal ones too. The rest of them were. Two, three, four, 500 meters away. We we um they were still in the village, so we didn't necessarily do BDA on them or anything. Where these dudes, we did the BDA. We we um scanned their eyes, fingerprints, all that shit. Um, but the, yeah, what I guess what messed me up the most was the uh, the first IED. The second one still, but the first one was the worst. We were in a, um we were in a wadi, and uh, it had just rained, and I was the second vehicle in formation. Um, I turned to the right. I was looking at my lieutenant uh we were talking about how we were the only platoon in our company who had not run over an ied yet right (laughs) so i have a habit of looking at people when i speak to them so when i looked at him to talk the lead vehicle had made its turn out of the wadi onto the hardball road so i missed their tire tracks and there was puddles because it had just rained and um there was multiple tire tracks because we're not the only ones who use wadis as roads that the locals use it too, So I had to guess kind of on, on, on which tracks I was going to follow. I guessed wrong. So, uh, we were in the Mark 19 vehicle. So for anybody who listens, who doesn't know, it's an um, automatic grenade launcher that's mounted on top of the, on top of a truck. It shoots 40 mic mics. Um, we had six.
1: that is awesome. awesome.
0: It really, really is. <laughs> um, we had 620, 40 mic mics in the truck. Um, and then, uh, one of the um, two, four, uh, dismounted 240s left a 100-round belt of 762 also. So when I made the wrong choice, the uh, back left tire had run over a pressure plate, uh, which ignited 200 roughly around, they said it could have been more, but roughly around 200 pounds of uh, homemade explosives. So that blew the left tire off. It ruptured the oil line and fuel line, which immediately ignited a fire. So in those vehicles, you have combat locks. I'm sure you know this. I didn't combat lock my door, and the interpreter behind me did not combat lock his door. Um, so when the IED went off, both of those doors flew open. Um, my gunner, he obviously had his harness on, but the power of the, of the blast snapped the harness, and he got launched out and landed on the, uh, the hood of the, of the vehicle and immediately got uh, knocked unconscious. So when the blast went off, my helmet strap broke too. And my helmet flew off and I hit my head on the roof of the vehicle. Um, So I blacked out for under a minute. I don't I obviously don't know the exact time. We'll say under a minute. Um, When I came to that whole uh, in the movies, the whole life flashing before your eyes shit happened. The the ringing in the ears, obviously, like that's science. We know that shit happens. Um, But the the dust settling, how it's like how it how it almost looks like the dust is stuck in the air, slow motion happened. It was insane. Um, so when I came to, I was on fire from my waist down. My legs were, um, uh, 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 like pointing out of the vehicle. Cause I had tried to climb over the radio mount to get out of the vehicle, but my kit was too uh, bulky. So I couldn't fit and I was in shock. So I didn't think like, Hey, immediately take it off, you know? Um, so I'm sitting in there struggling and I remember this is what my brain lets me remember. I remember that I was just saying, all right, let me back up. I'm sorry. So out of those five vehicles, all, four of them are tan, one of them is like the old army like the multi- like the multicam you know what I mean like the green brown tan that the multicolored shit um yep, yeah yes yes, yes yes, and then our um my lieutenant was the only African American lieutenant in our company, so he was noticeable well, it turns out the Taliban put a hit out on us and they put a hit out on our truck, so um that's, that's essentially what that ID was for, I guess, but I ran it over um so I, yeah, I came to and I was on fire from the waist down. Couldn't climb over the radio mount. Um, I was freaking out. I'm on fire. Like like a, a, a loud a loud man yell that I'm on fire. Well, the gunner and I actually had the same therapist and psychiatrist when we got back. Um, and picture somebody burning alive. The blood curdling screams that come from that. That's what that's what I was doing. But my brain will not um, will not allow me to, to 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 remember that. So while that's all happening, the 762 was directly behind my seat. Had started to cook off in the vehicle. Um, so then at some point I finally, uh, the dismount, the other dismount, um, was screaming at me to take my kid off. Like, yo, come on, get to it. And then I, after, after some time, it finally, it finally stuck that I needed to, um, to do it. So I took my kid off and I jumped out. So I had no helmet, no body armor, no gun, um, brought, uh, the, the, the gunner had, um, got woken up by my screams. So he, as soon as I was jumping out. He jumped off the, the hood of the vehicle and he jumped on top of me and covered me with himself and scanned the top of the wadi to make sure we weren't um, we weren't being ambushed. So uh, then we ran to the to the lead vehicle and, and, and got medevaced out of there. So that's the.
1: So now, mm-hmm. OK, you know, you, you leave Afghanistan mm-hmm. eventually, eventually and then you get yep. home and how long did you stay in after you got so after afghanistan? afghanistan four
0: months after afghanistan i waived my dwell time and i went to Djibouti, africa for seven and a half months and it was during that deployment my um parents had started a divorce uh so i was helping my mom with that and just different life things were happening that being one of the main causes and i realized i'm probably not, I, I don't feel the same as i felt before and i asked my mom like, had she noticed anything? And she said, I noticed the day you came back. So, so she knew something was off. Um, but it's actually, it's actually a funny story as to how I got um, diagnosed with PTSD. Okay.
1: So Go. after
0: that second deployment, me and uh, one of my boys, Ford, uh, you know the game Fruit Ninja? Yeah, we were playing it in yes. real life, though. So I had a Kiwi, and he had a kitchen knife. And I threw it up, and he would cut it. So I was wearing a gray, like, Haynes shirt. And the kiwi hit me in on, on my nipple and there was a wet spot and he was like, oh, you're lactating. I was like, you just hit me in the tit with a kiwi, dude. Come on. Let's be serious. So I lifted my shirt up and I squeezed my nipple and like pus came out like yellow liquid. And I was like, hold the fuck up. So I checked the other one and the same exact thing. It turns out that I was under so much stress that my hormones were just fucking outrageous and um, and I, I need. It's so he the the PA the doctor said it's either breast cancer, brain cancer, brain brain cancer, testicular cancer, or stress. And I was like, dude, it's stress. Come on, let's be. I, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll take. I'll take. Yeah, like I know it's for, So I had to go get tested yeah. for all of them. Um, I I can comfortably say I never want to get my um testicles ultrasounded again. The like, not not a good time. It's not not nothing I'd recommend. Very embarrassing. <laughs> um, but so it. it all the cancer shit came back clear obviously so he said you have to go to behavioral health one time that's all he said one time you have to go and talk I said all right so i went and talked that day and um i talked to an army like one of the army girls like she works in the behavioral health department it wasn't a clinician yet um and they do like the screening and shit and it was a two 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 and a half hour conversation and like i was getting emotional she was getting emotional it was insane and she was like yeah it's you're talking to somebody today (laughs) all right (laughs) sounds good to me and i just i haven't stopped therapy since
1: you know and and i love that i've been in therapy now officially Mm, 11 years and you know it's it's amazing Uh, so talk to us about you know because you know now i've talked to hundreds of people you know army vets navy seals and we all have to say no matter what branch of service 99% of us when we get out you know we miss we miss our Mm -hmm. our compadres you know we don't have the purpose
0: is gone yes
1: yep and then for me you know I did over 23 years in the military I mean but I got thrown out the first time for being a drug addict and alcoholic and they let me back in so I I I stayed for you know 23 years between National Guard and Army time but you know, after I got in the second time, I I tried turning my I turned my life around and um, I became, you know, soldier nice. of the year and and NCO. But my whole life was wrapped up in being mm-hmm. Sergeant Kaufman. And the day that they discharged me, you know, was the day I had attempted suicide. But I right. didn't know who I was. So a lot of it, you know, a lot like I said, you know, you, you lose your purpose. You lose your compadres you know you you don't have a mission and like my friend sergeant first class nick nick says you know once you step off base the military does not give a shit about Mm -hmm.
0: you anymore and the
1: phone stops ringing so what was your transition like so
0: mine so i was getting med boarded out for ptsd um but at that time so the transition Some of my transition was still at Fort Bliss. I was still at Fort Bliss for three weeks after I was out of the military because they wouldn't finalize some of the clothing shit. It was it was insane. Um, But when I came home, I I was dating a girl for at that time, I think it was two and a half, three years. Met her while I was in the military. She wasn't. But I met her while I was in. uh, It was a long distance, pretty much the entire time. The plan was for me to come back to Jersey, live for live here for a year, get reacclimated with society. And then moved to San Antonio and uh, live with her. Go to school there. Do my shit there. So I had a I had a plan and structure set up prior to leaving the military. Well, I had.
1: Well, you know, like Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until they get that's punched out. That's exactly that's exactly what
0: it was. <laughs> I plan the vet center and I go to the vet center in Philadelphia for therapy. I had an appointment planned with them prior to me even coming home. So I had I had a schedule set some structure. Well, that relationship did not pan out obviously she ended up she was cheating dude looked exactly like me it was fucking weird it's like she went to the dollar store and got the dollar store version of me um so
1: but she got gi bro instead of <laughs> <I>. Joe, huh?
0: <laughs> um so so i'm i'm not moving back to san antonio at this point my my life wasn't falling apart but it was i it's i had no direction the so right before I got out of the military, that's when I started Project Refit. That's why I'm on this call. That's my that's uh, the, the nonprofit that um, James Corbett and myself um, uh, founded.
1: Now, what's, Project the, what's it called again? Yes. Refit. Yeah. OK, so the whole purpose Talk of that the
0: name it. says it right there. When you come back from mission, what do you do? You refit your vehicles. You make them mission capable again. You, re, you refit yourself, make yourself mission capable again. When you get out of the military, how do, you, how do you make sure you're mission capable still? It's a very unchartered territory, so that's where we want to come in. Um, so j- the, the way Project Grief had started was I had started therapy, and, and I wasn't getting what I thought I needed to be getting. The, the itch wasn't getting scratched at all. So I, looked on, I was looking online, and I was looking for um, combat veteran support groups, groups on Facebook, Google, whatever, groups that would be near me when I come home, jack shit there's nothing there are none um so i found this one nonprofit, beautiful place but for me at that time it wasn't it it, it couldn't help me so so what it was is it's a um peer-to-peer support system but it's typing it's only typing i need to see your face i need to know that you even care about this conversation you know what i mean it's 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 a waste to me otherwise so i got paired with and i was very dark at this time i mean suicidal ideations i attempted suicide at this point um not knowingly but i was blacked out drunk but it happened um so i was in a very 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 volatile place um so i found i found this nonprofit, and i got paired with a guy who was in the navy in the 80s who never saw combat now right now i'd love to talk to him again but but at that time he couldn't reach me i was in a place where i thought only somebody like me could reach me i found out later on that's not the case um so so james uh, and i have a mutual friend um So when I came back from Afghanistan, James came to uh, one of my coming home party things, met him there. And uh, we didn't really, I mean, I met him there. We were cool. We didn't really talk much. And then a year later, a year or two later, which is right when I started therapy, he reached out to me and he asked what the army does to prevent suicide and PTSD. And if suicidal attempts or ideations occur, or somebody's diagnosed with PTSD, how does the army slash military combat that? And I was, and very, very blatantly on it. They do nothing for you. They kick you out if you have PTSD. They see you as inoperable. That's something that's damaged. Um, so, so then uh, we were, we were typing a lot. And the same thing I said before, I need to see that you're fucking looking at me. So I said, yo, can we just, can we do a video call instead, instead of this typing? And he said, yeah. And it turned out to be a, a four hour conversation of, of me venting about my PTSD, my, uh, my, 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 um, the, the issues I had with it. Uh, where my thoughts were. It was just, it was what I needed. So that's what we built it off of. We, it's that right there. So now we have um, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 9 PM Eastern, we have zooms. Um, If you, if you want to follow our Facebook page at project refit, that's, that's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's all project refit. Um, We can shoot you the zoom link. If you want to, if you want to hop on um, that art, art,
1: of yeah, yeah.
0: Amazing. So the Monday and Friday ones are live streamed to Facebook. Um, The Wednesday one is private. Now,
1: what time? What times are these on Eastern, yeah, 9 Eastern Standard Time?
0: And then it uh it, it okay. goes off and it, it runs until I'd say about like twelve thirty one o'clock somewhere around there in the morning. Yeah, we start we start wow. doing this right when COVID hit because we our whole mission statement is to combat isolation we're not suicide prevention. That's not, that's not what we do. We are, co- we combat isolation. We like dealing with the guys, the men. All right. So guys is asexual. We use that as a, an asexual tournament project, <laughs> we it. Um, but we like coming in contact with the people who are, who are just how we were just talking about in that transition period. Um, maybe they didn't even get into it yet. And they're just getting out. So they don't have to deal with that fucked up transition time that we all deal with that, that year of loneliness that really, um, nothing can really fix so we have a community now of i mean hundreds if not thousands of uh veterans current military first responders and we have civilians too so like i had um on on one of those zooms one of my big uh concerns was going to be the 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 meshing of civilians and veterans especially veterans talking about their issues um it's a very sensitive and personal topic so we had um we had a 20 20-year-old 20 21-year-old girl I forget, somewhere around there 24 young uh, younger 20s um and she's a civilian and, and and she came onto our zoom and she talked about uh she got she got raped a couple times and she was talking about them and what we have found in project grief it is pain is pain it all feels the same now obviously it has different variations of it but pain feels like pain um no matter the cause so i was so she shared she shared what happened to her and um these combat veterans, some of them weren't combat, but there was combat veterans in there who uh, like like a, a hat drive. It was it was like they were talking to one of their brothers. They, they, the, the whole civilian classification didn't matter there because she was a human being in pain. And they're also in pain. And misery loves company. We love helping other people in pain. I think that's what makes us most qualified.
1: Yeah. You know, that's one thing, you know, like when I talk and because, you know, like right. I said, I'm i not a professional whatsoever. I only got a ninth grade formal education but you know now after talking to hundreds and hundreds of people, a lot of doctors and psychologists that have had on the show that you know trauma when an adult acts, acts out it's usually because of stuff that happened mm-hmm. between
0: the ages of three the, dev- the developmental and 13 mm-hmm.
1: yep and then you yep. add alcohol to the mix and then you add war to the perfect mix yep. the war to the mix and it, it becomes the perfect storm. And there is no manual to tell you how to get out of the perfect storm unless somebody's been in the perfect storm and they reached their hand down yep. to pull you out. And I think that's what we no, do. We, you no, know, no, we, me, you, we, no, we. Not we. I'm saying me, you. We all know.
0: do that. That's what we do for our brothers and sisters. I mean, it's it's called the wounded healer. So, like, my end goal. So, I'm in school right now. I just started college when I got out of the Army. I'm in, my, like, my fourth semester. Um, I'm going for a psychology. What college? Uh, I'm a, a candidate. What college? What college? Yeah, I'm getting my prerequisite, prerequisites okay. out of the way there, and then I'm going to either go rowing or ruckers. I, I don't know yet. But I'm, I'm going for psychology, so the end goal is to be a, a uh, therapist for combat vets. I want, I want to do specifically combat vets okay, because so I myself am a combat vet.
1: So tell me the first steps, because now I want just to sure. become the teaching part. Tell us the first steps that you took to start getting help. I think women. the number
0: one thing is admitting that I was not okay. It was it was admitting I was unhealthy. Um, I think we all find those safety mechanisms, whether they're healthy or not, they, they alleviate the current pain. Um, and I think that's where we get lost. I would get lost in it. I never turned to alcohol or drugs. It was never my thing. I isolate. That's my drug. I isolate to an unhealthy extent um, so that I, I realized I had to start working on that. But it, it was really having those no shit conversations like. You have to be able to admit you're wrong. You feel right. You feel like what you believe is is the absolute truth, but that's because of what happened to you. That's that, 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 to me that I knew or I started to know just through the therapy um, that that wasn't that the way I was thinking was not the right way. Um, and I was open to criticism and open. In, I was open to personality changes. There's there's certain things. You know what I mean? It was it was I did CPT, uh, CPT, cognitive processing therapy. Um and that was mainly focused around my uh, my first IED, so it was it was putting me back in that place and making me deal with the emotions I hadn't dealt with. Now I dealt with a bunch of them, but not all. There's obviously still, it'll never go away. And I think that's, I think I think the stigmas is what really does it. And that's another one of our mission statements. It's it's fuck stigmas, but we uh, put it in Latin. Um, and that it, it understanding that the stigmas are are set by unhealthy people really um you don't really have to f- fall to those stigmas then because that
1: now you know one thing i noticed that it helped me a lot is I mm-hmm. is journaling that helped me a lot because um, you know we can think about things in our minds but once we or put something it. to paper it yes kind of, it becomes real you know like when i wrote my book and it came out a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. It was very cathartic because, you know, I put all my everything, all my mm-hmm. dirty shit I ever did, I put out there. Sometimes it opened up those wounds mm, and exactly over to is. heal again. So what? So what are your thoughts on sometimes just, you know, even if nobody reads mm-hmm. it, even if it's just your journal, but getting your thoughts out there on paper? putting it away for a little while yeah and then so, so we, we it recommend
0: that to a lot of people on our zooms or whoever we come into contact with yes i personally do too i really, i never really enjoyed writing because i'm more of an impulsive person i don't i, I would i would be uh, erasing a lot so i would do a video instead or an audio recording something along those lines where it is a record regardless of how i feel in that moment and then like you said a month two three six two years whatever it is come back and look at it. The other day, like I have a a journal right here that I found from when I was in the army and it has one, two, three, three pages written in it. And I read one of them and I was like, wow, like, like, I don't really give myself a lot of credit. I don't, but seeing (laughs) where I was in 2017 compared to now polar opposites, polar opposites writing. I think what it is, is weak When you're when you're when anybody's talking to themselves in their head, you can convince yourself because it's you talking to you. But when you like you said, write it down, when you record it, when you tell it to somebody else, you're making it tangible. It's now.
1: Are you there, brother? You went radio silent on me for a second. Can you hear me? Hello, brother. So, like I said, you know, we're talking about journaling and stuff like that. So, we're, you know, I, I love journaling. It helps me. Um, helps me put my thoughts down. Can you hear me, brother? Guys, welcome back to Vertical Momentum. This is part two with my brother from project refit daniel matthew we're talking about how on his zooms that he has um, during the week sometimes they talk about journaling so talk to us a little bit about your journaling
0: yeah so um so i i journaled in the very beginning i, I kind of fell off with it just because i don't my i think too fast so i'm better at speaking so instead of if you don't like journaling um recording the audio recording a video of it either way recording Putting a record of what you thought, transferring your thoughts into um, something outside of your mind brings a different value to it. It makes it tangible. It makes you um, it makes you be able to to process it from different angles, I think.
1: You know, and I don't know if you know it or not, but we actually have a friend in common. Who's that? And, and she's been on this show. Her name is Megan Trapp. Mm. And yes. her episode should be dropping soon. So she's a a great, a great friend of ours. So now I love Project Refit and I love it that we are Legion. Talk to us about that.
0: Yes, yeah, so that was a, 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 a slogan that we came up with. Um we I, we see a lot of I think that matters, those types of com- the morale boosters. Um and, and we just see it as we are a community. We are legions, so we are there for each other. Um I had one of my dudes call me at four o'clock in the morning. I had to get up I had to get up and two out. It's that I stayed up for that two hours. It's just um Reaffirming that uh that it's it's a community effort. It's a my my psychologist said it. Your trauma has happened as a group. The only way it's going to heal is as a group. Another way we're we're doing that is um or combating it at least is uh um, we started a, a mobile base program. So we have a twenty-four foot long trailer that we're um we actually just uh FNS. It's a um a yacht building company in um Delaware. They decided that they're going to build it for us, build the, build the interior and everything for us. So it's, it's it's essentially going to be a mobile lounge. We're going to bring this mobile base to sporting events, anywhere where our people will be to their house. We can go to, we'll go to Philly to homeless veterans anywhere. So we can bring the zooms to them. So we can bring our, our resources to them. Um, And there's a whole sponsorship program with that. Um, Like the sponsors, they're going to have their names engraved uh, and, and also on plaques in the, um, in the trailer itself, just to c- continue that um, the, the community effort. And then we also have a, um, an app. It's called Project Refit Blue Skies. It's on iPhone and Android, but it's a, um, it's a speakeasy system. So there's a password that I'll, I'll send to you after. Um, so on this app, we're essentially building a social media app for veterans, military, and, and first responders, right? So they are the only ones allowed on the app. Civilians aren't allowed on the app um so on this app there's forums there are resources there's uh, uh we're, there's therapists there's other um veteran nonprofits on there we're going to be putting therapists on i should say there's other veteran nonprofits we have a um back onto the legion aspect of it in the app we're we're sticking to the fire team mentality so with this app there's the um event and and listen feature if say um i put you on my fire team i put you james and and three other people um and i have to vent when I hit vent, my fire team are the first people who get notified that I need to talk. And if they don't answer in 30 seconds, it goes to, it goes to the rest of your friends. And if they don't answer, it goes to the rest of the Project Refit community. So you're going to be answered, basically. Um, and then also on that, there's going to be uh, different job opportunities. Any, any veteran-owned businesses, like I said, that, would, that, um, that we can put in there. Your podcast, we can put in the app.
1: Oh, I would love that.
0: Yes. So it, it's, and, and, and see, that's the thing for anybody listening to this, anybody, you know, any veteran businesses, anything, we don't we we don't really we're not necessarily asking anything like it's not like, oh, you have to do this for us to get you're a veteran doing something good. We're going to put you in the app. That's just common sense. We're trying to provide as many healthy resources for people transitioning out, people in therapy, people trying to get into therapy. We're trying to make as many resources as possible. One of the end goals is to be in the um uh, what's the fuck? The five-day workshop. What is it when you get out the transition um,
1: What was it the warrior transition unit or something? They've
0: changed it so many times. It's the it's the five-day um, they teach you how to do a resume, all that shit. We want <laughs> I want to be, I want Project Refit to be in that so that people getting out of the military have know for a fact that there's a resource that covers X, Y, and Z for them. And they're not spending that year alone getting lost in the sauce and wondering what, what the fuck could have I what could I have done.
1: And, you know, talking about transitioning, um, you know, I've you know, now that I've talked to I've talked to a lot of people and I've talked to a lot of CEOs of different companies and, I, and a lot of hiring managers. And they say most of the time when a soldier comes just gets out of the military and, you know, puts the resume in. They don't know what they're looking at because we put in so much acronyms and shit
0: mm-hmm.
1: for them. It, their eyes glaze over and then they just throw it onto a pile. Yep. But I think so- that would be great, you know, do something to teach them how to, to write a resume that will actually apply to, to them and in the civilian world. Exactly.
0: They do that. They listen. Like I, I never did a resume before, but in this, in this five day workshop, I mean, the, the guy he he sat down and helped me build it. That's that's not my issue. It's I, It's people getting out. They don't have the reason. They don't have people to talk to. They don't have uh, anyone to vent to. Anyone to um teach them how to claim. You know what I mean? Claim a percentage. They don't how to use the GI or the Post Nine Eleven or the V.R. No, a lot of these people don't didn't have it explained to them. Um, so instead of them getting overwhelmed and possibly taking darker paths because of the, uh, the, um, limbo of everything, we, uh, our goal is to, to eliminate all of that. Here is what you can do. Here's who does it. Let us introduce you.
1: Yep. And guys, if anybody's listening to this, that's active duty, make sure that you have every single th- thing annotated, make sure that you have everything on paper and triplicate because when you go to the VA, it sometimes it becomes a shit show. Um, fortunately for me, the New Jersey VA has been great for me, and I can only speak for myself. But if you don't have the paperwork, make sure you do have, especially if you have to. If you're, you know, went through stuff like
0: IEDs, mm-hmm. and if it's not annotated, it never happened. It never existed, and that's the fucked up part to it all. But so, you're right. I was telling my I was when I was a team leader when I was getting out, I was telling my privates the same shit. I didn't believe in the whole don't go to sick sickle. No, if you if something's fucking wrong with you, you go right now, go right now and get that documented, dude. I don't give a fuck what we're doing because and this is the way I, I talked to my dudes. This isn't a, they knew it that it wasn't a career for them. They weren't staying in forever. So it, it's you're I agree with you. And at the very bare minimum, leave the military with a full copy of your medical record bare minimum just just to eliminate some of the time because if you go to the VA and then you're starting the process it's going to take weeks for them to even find your medical record bring that with you knocks all that time right off
1: Yep, yeah, you know because like like you just said you know everybody gets out eventually yep nobody's ever stayed and every you know everybody whether you do 20 30 years we're all going to get out
0: there's a life after it and I think people don't focus on that
1: So now talk to us about how, what kind of struggle you had finding work and a job afterwards.
0: So I haven't, I haven't worked after, and I don't think so. So with the IED came, um, I didn't drive for five years after, after uh, a little over five years after that first IED. I didn't drive in Afghanistan again, and I didn't drive in my, in the civilian world. Um, I still have, I actually just witnessed a car accident a couple of days ago and it sparked some shit back up. So that, I mean, that's a perfect example of how I'm still struggling with it. Um, like, I'm, I'm not comfortable driving right now. And it's not, it's not that there's a fear. I know there's no bond. There's nothing like that at all. It's, I, it's, my fear is that the impact and the sound of a car accident are going to be extremely similar to that of the IED. Because the IED did truly feel like a really, I felt like I got hit by a semi. So it's just those little, those little insecure fears. But I also know that um, I don't know if I'd be able to hold down a job. Even still, I mean, I'm not, I'm good. I'm go- I'm in therapy and everything, but things still affect me to, to certain extents. So I don't okay. know if, um, so
1: now, talk to us, you know, cause there's certain people that are listening to this are in the same situation mm-hmm. and they don't, you know, they might've just gotten out and they're, they're like, well, I don't know how, how, how am I supposed to get around if I don't drive? So how do you maintain?
0: L- L- it's going to sound, it's not going to sound fucked, but it's support system. It's the only thing that gets you through all of this, having a secure, good support system, friends, family, whatever it may be. I have a friend who I like, even though I still, even though I drive now, I'm not comfortable driving in Philly. He'll come, he'll take me to the VA and then we make a lunch thing out of it. You know, you know, it's things like that. There's, there's, there's some sacrifice that comes with it, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely having a positive and good support system. I have my mom. I have my friends. I have fam- some family that are willing to uh, help me when I, when I need it. And that, that's what I needed back then when I wasn't driving at all. I needed, I needed not coddling, not, 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 um, not um, enabling, but understanding. And that's, and that's what it was. So I, 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 for anybody listening who's going through it, I mean, it's, it's find a good support system that's going to help you. And if you can't, if you, if you can't find a good support system. Guess what Project Refit is? It's a great support system. We're all over the country. We have members all over the country. California, Idaho, Florida, Texas, all of them. So we can find you a support system.
1: Like I moved to New Jersey 11 years ago with $50 in my pocket. The clothes on my back and only knowing one person, which is my bride. And I was the kind of guy, like you said, you know, I would rather be in my room than be around people. Yeah. Until one day I woke up and said, you know what? I'm Fucking lonely.
0: Right. Exactly. You
1: know, yeah. it's kind of like looking around. I'm like, I don't like this. And but it was at that moment that I realized in order to have a friend, I had to be a friend. Yes. So talk to us about how, you know, you deal with, you know, your struggles of, like you said, being introverted sometimes and so, and how you got out of that in a way.
0: Um, I, st- I mean, I still deal with it to an extent. And, and again, it's my friends that understand it, but it's exactly what you said. It's just waking up that one day. and, All right. How long is this going to go on for? Like, I understand it. It's a, it's a healthy coping mechanism to an extent. But when you start relying solely on that, it's no longer a coping mechanism. And it, it's, it's now it's now affecting you negatively. So I even though I do not want to fucking like after this podcast i have to go to home depot i just dude like and it's not like i'm lazy i don't want to go i i my core in my body screaming don't go now i have to ignore that and i have to go um so that's really what it's exposure therapy that's really what it is it's it's like i said in the beginning when you're first dealing with this kind of stuff it's it's understandable to think that way and to live your life in certain circumstances like that but to not get lost in it and that's i think what i haven't done i haven't gotten lost in it i've always um kind of kept it at a at a at a reasonable level, I think. Except except sure. except for when I'm in a bad place. And I and I think that's another thing that people don't take into consideration. You're allowed to be in a bad place. You're allowed to be not okay. You're allowed you're allowed to do that shit. It's it's, it's as long as you come back from it. Don't stay in that place. Uh,
1: I love that. You know I love the old saying that if you're going through hell, keep going. Yep. You know, so last two questions. Sure. Um, how do we find you? How do we find refit? How can we connect with you guys and support your mission? Sure. So
0: on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, it's at Project Refit. And then if anyone wants to email me or James, if you uh, any questions, any sponsorship ideas, anything that, that you think could help us, if you need help, any of it, my email is d at projectrefit.us. And then James is j at projectrefit.us.
1: Okay, so last question that I ask everybody. And I love it because I ask 100 different people and I get 100 mm-hmm. different <laughs> um, You know, we live in a crazy world now. We're living in a COVID world, you know, where parents are trying to put in work three jobs, if they can, to put food in their mouths, kids' mouths. Got grandparents teaching homeschooling kids. So if I ask the average person to do something in seven days, they're never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step, in the next 24 hours, they're more likely yeah. to, to take that step. So what can somebody do if they're like me and you, you know, this is a, we program, you know, like I go to AA and NA, it's a, we program, mm-hmm. you know, I get drunk, we stay sober. So if somebody is struggling in life, you know, even just getting out of the military, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to get help,
0: reach out to somebody. The and like that, that's it. It's, it's, if. It's reaching out, it's opening that door, it's starting that conversation to get you to, to process that you're not okay or, 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 to, or to even find the help. But it's, it's starting a conversation, communicating whether you know what's wrong or not, it's communicating that you're not okay. That's the start of it all.
1: I love that, guys. So if you're listening to this, definitely check out Project Refit. They got some awesome stuff. I was going through your stuff as I was looking at it. I can't wait to, can't wait for the app to come in. And I'm sure you're going to send me those links that I can put in yeah, the show notes. Yeah, you, you can download
0: the app now. You can, the, the yeah. app's already out. You can download it now. But I'll, um, I'll, in, I'll right if this is done, I'll email you the uh, password for it.
1: Yep. So, and guys, like I said, uh, thank you to our sponsor, Mark Dudek. It's truly amazing. Like, he has a fireplace that goes to your music. So, like, if you love Metallica, the flames will actually go to the music. That's crazy. And I think it's called a reactive fireplace. And I'll check, and I'll and I'll put that in the liner notes. And he's another veteran. And all my sponsors on the show are veterans 100% of the time. So um, I always support my vets, brother. Thank you so much. Um, tell our brother, hopefully he gets the right truck, yes. and, uh, you know, <laughs> let him know that we had an amazing conversation. And, you know, now that we've talked, you know, I consider you a friend and a family member. Likewise, and, you know, any way we can get together, hang out, have coffee or I can support your mission. I'm down with and,
0: it. And same thing goes to you. Like I said, we're going to throw you in the app, and, then, and even your veteran sponsors, we can throw some of them in the app too. Why not? Uh, as long as they're veteran-owned companies.
1: Yep. I'm all about my veterans, mm-hmm. brother. All right. Well, God bless, brother. All right,
0: brother. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.